0: The Sacred Dynamics podcast explores some of the biggest topics of our time, including the true nature of reality, the healing and awakening process, the evolution of consciousness, deception on the path, natural law, and daring to tackle the greatest of all quests, the journey of self-realization. Through conscious awareness and the law of correspondence, we engage individually and thus collectively in the restoration of humanity, embodying life itself and our symbolic relationship with nature.
1: Dear Sacred Souls, Welcome to the 11th episode of the Sacred Dynamics Podcast. Thanks for connecting. We are deeply grateful and moved by all of the comments, messages, and feedback from you, our dearest listeners. The Sacred Dynamics Podcast is now reaching thousands who are moved by what is moving us. As you know... Our mission and purpose in Sacred Dynamics is to support the restoration of humanity through the personal healing and awakening journey. The true commitment starts with oneself and then radiates both inwards and outwards to all beautiful souls. Mm -hmm. In our last episode, we peeled back the curtain in such profound and relevant content, such as recognizing and uncovering what Jay calls the Great Divide versus the Great Awakening, the religion of materialism, man-made tech versus organic nature, AI versus ego, transhumanism, and the profound correlation to all of these being a catalyst for awakening. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to this episode yet, it is highly recommended. Now, in a tradition of bringing both extremely powerful and highly relevant content, today's episode will certainly not disappoint. We have referenced today's special guest in several past episodes. Dr. Melissa Sell is a chiropractor and awareness coach who teaches from the Germanisch Helikunde perspective. She helps people to understand the biological purpose of their symptoms, guides them in learning to trust their bodies, and teaches inner shifts for creating a deep sense of peace and well-being. We are so grateful to have you here, Melissa. As you know, Sacred Dynamics is an affiliate of the GHK International Academy with yourself and our mutual friend, John Holledower. I would like to reference a quote from yours, Melissa. If you don't have a basic understanding of your own biology and physiology, you will forever have to outsource your health to a third party. Can you elaborate on this statement?
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. So that is, uh, you know, looking at Helmut, who, you know, the GHK Academy, all of the videos from Helmut, one of his taglines is, learn this while you are healthy. And if you do not know, because no one can be there with you, and that's one of the things when you are embarking on the journey of learning the five biological laws and integrating it, The Almost default assumption that most people have is, oh, I can go to someone and they can help me. I'll go to a therapist, a doctor, someone who can help me to work this out or to solve my conflict. But the problem with that ideology is it's outsourcing to someone other than yourself. But the problem with that is when you have a symptom in that moment, when you feel a lump, when you look in the toilet and there's blood, when something happens, no one else is understanding of your biology and physiology is there with you. It's just you and it's your reactions in that moment either are going to amplify or downgrade the conflict or create additional conflicts depending on how we react. And so that's why it's so important. This is your physical vehicle for going throughout the world. And if you don't know, if you don't have the basic knowledge of what to look for when things are not as they normally are, when you've exited normal homeostasis and you've moved into some um, form of adaptive physiology due to the activation of a biological special program, you need to be able to see and recognize, ah, I know why my tooth is bleeding. I know I'm having a sneezing fit. I know where this sty is from. I understand why I'm losing hair right now. Because if you don't understand, you're in fear. And when you're in fear, you seek out someone to alleviate that fear. And people can sell you all sorts of remedies and programs and medications and, and ways to fix you when really, the problem, usually 80% of the time, it's already over. You've already resolved it. The tissue adaptation is going through the restoration phase. And so that's why you have to, when you are you know, a person who's stepping into 100% personal responsibility, if you want to be free. You know, because not everyone wants to be free in this lifetime. They're, they they don't want to be free. They don't want the responsibility. They want to outsource. They want to take the drugs. They want to numb. They want to avoid and suppress. And that's their journey for this lifetime. But at some point, you know, every consciousness wants to wake up to its power and wants to accept that personal responsibility and see how is this coming from me. And if that's you and if, you know, you find your way to this knowledge, it's probably You it's time to really take the responsibility of learning how your physical body functions. And through that knowledge, you're free from fear, you understand what your body's doing, you can teach your children what their bodies are doing so they don't have to live in fear. And it's just amazing to navigate life with this knowledge.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well said, indeed, absolutely.
1: Melissa, we have been communicating with our audience uh, since the first episode where Jay and I shared our personal and very powerful illnesses and uh, healing opportunities. And uh, we have been covering the significance and value of the GHK relating it to personal awakening process. Um, it ties to personal sovereignty and ultimately its relationship to the great work, or as we we, we always talk about, the self-realization.
2: Mm-hmm. No? And you know what? I'd love to... Um, uh, appreciate you because you know I found you to be uh, a very comprehensive advocate of of this royal art as it's called but also that you have been uh, able to I feel bridge and convey uh, where a lot of people are going now which is where they're going okay I'm if I'm starting to comprehend these things who am I? What, you know what, what, what's going on, and this is this whole process that people are going through. And so I imagine that we, you know, we comprehend that there are those that are going ride, to ghost ride this out of here, and they just, you know, that's their part of this experience. But for those who are, um, you know, want to go beyond the idea of okay, I get it, you know, a person who's tied to, for example, their conflicts and just trying to avoid tracks. And, but then what's after that? And, and, and there's a bridge there and that is related to, you know, this is kind of relates to your awareness school program and the things that we're doing that are relating this to getting beyond that, just, you know, okay, I'm going through something, but who am I? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so how would you speak about that relating to awareness school?
0: Yeah, we do have to kind of go through the learning to think biologically, you know, so we we have to have that foundation in the biological laws and understanding that we've come so far from living a biologically um, aligned lifestyle. And that's, you know, one of the big reasons for the amount of conflict. But, you know, even kind of moving into this crazy techno um, evolution of what they're trying to move us in that direction transhumanism, all of that. It's part of the obstacles in life that allow us to grow and to evolve. And so that, you know, it's not like a perfect life is a life with no conflicts. That would be a boring life. Conflicts are here to grow us, to challenge us, to allow us to evolve consciousness. And, you know, our physical body is materialized consciousness. So first making that connection. And once you've kind of got that solid, it's like, okay, how am I going to navigate now in this world, understanding how, my consciousness is materializing into my life. And so that's like the the next step I find. It's like, let's get a good foundation in understanding the biological laws. Um, But here we are, we've got this consciousness, this creative imagination. Are we using it for good or for evil? Are we navigating and directing our focus in ways that is causing us to to grow and to expand into greater levels of enjoyment and peace and freedom? Or are we using it for our own self-destruction? <laughs> and so that's really what awareness school is all about is waking up to these habituated patterns, the deep grooves that we have formed through years of repetition of hearing people, you know, tell us, no, don't do that, no, avoid danger, and it's not safe to, you know, put yourself out there and just live the status quo and whatever your parental programming and societal programming. I mean, that's all life is is programming and few people wake up from that and say, oh, I'm not really living free. I'm living on these tracks that are set down by early life experiences, by other people who never asked questions about, why do I do this? Does this make sense to me? Is this the best way I could be living? Is there another way to do it? Or even just that curiosity, you know, because a lot of times it's not that your life is bad. And a lot of like people who take awareness school or go through the process with us and, and what my partner and I teach, it's like, your life doesn't have to be bad for you to want to try different things and to get curious about how could I optimize and improve what it's like to be me during this journey. And obviously, you know, one of the big pieces for me is teaching people about the biological law. So they get out of that low level fear of symptoms and they get it. And then, you know, it's like once you're no longer afraid of cancer, you're no longer afraid of when your body exhibits some type of adaptation, you're like, oh, what kind of fun can I have now? And so that's really. You know the the fun realm to get to, but we do often have to spend a lot of time kind of um, reprogramming the mind to see the world through this new paradigm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, amazing. Well said.
2: Well, you know, speaking on that, it's 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 such a beautiful transition here because as we speak about this, the comprehension of the of the five biological laws and the idea that someone can. Uh, accept and honor that the body's not making mistakes and that i mean this is kind of getting something out of the way that's kind of i think in the way for a lot of people to be in a state of ease where they can start to be informed and to find solutions because you know this is kind of the process where uh, you know as they say you you know you can't uh you know, tr- uh, teach a, a drowning person to swim, for example. In the GHK, they mentioned that as well, and it's because at that level of tension, you can't. You're not in the vibrancy of solution, and so this is where we're kind of meeting, where you know we're we're going. Okay, as soon as you can accept and honor and comprehend that this is a very dynamic Swiss watch that is not making mistakes, uh, then as you say, all of a sudden it's like. Now you're at ease and at ease you are much more informed and this is where this this sequential movement of consciousness is coming from. This is where we're leaning into our evolutionary process. So this is a key component and it's a big one in our world and so very grateful to have you here for this because uh, it's so significant. It's such a key piece, no?
1: Oh, absolutely. And this brings me to the the following question, Melissa. Um, it would be great if you can uh, tell us a little bit of how did you come came across to this uh, powerful um, medical paradigm and what was your first aha moment with the GHK?
0: Yeah, so my background is in chiropractic and I graduated chiropractic school in 2012 and practiced kind of just whole health lifestyle, nutrition change, exercise, taking care of your spine and your nervous system, supplements, the whole kind of outside in, but healthy lifestyle um, behavior changes. And I practiced in that for many years and really enjoyed and loved what I was doing. But there were some missing pieces for me in my own experience. And, you know, so from the outside, I did all of the right things, but I still had stuff going on. There was still drama in my relationship and patterns that I was not aware of how they affected me. So, you know, my partner and I, we kind of went on a journey of Um, self-awareness and meditation and learning about how our perception of reality is creating our experience of reality and so that kind of came even before I found GNM but then when I found it so I was uh, giving a workshop teaching workshop on magnesium supplementation and the woman who was being interviewed for the podcast the interviewer asked her uh, about cancer and she just very briefly mentioned German new medicine and then they went on talking about magnesium and I was like hold the phone. What is this? I've never heard of this Germany medicine. And I have been in the holistic and natural health world for 10 years. And I considered myself like, I thought I knew stuff about health. And then I read Dr. Hammer's story and I started like just absorbing this map and understanding the embryology, which was a huge piece for me because in, you know, in chiropractic school, you do all that you do in medical school. You look, you know, you do cadaver dissection, you learn about all of the ologies. And I particularly enjoyed embryology and just how detailed it was. And I was like, oh my goodness, this man has mapped out how the embryological germ layers that go on to become all of our tissues, how they specifically respond to con- conflicting, life-threatening life events. And they have this ability to transform. I was like, how is everyone not talking about this? So I was like completely blown away by that. And then um, the first big aha physically for me had to do with acne because I had gone through a huge journey of you know acne, When my teens and in my 20s and I was like, ah, every time I thought I figured it out. Oh, I figured it out. It's just I have to change my skincare. I would change it and then it would get better for a little while and then it would come back, even though I'm doing the same skincare protocol. I thought it had to do with my diet and I cut out dairy and it would get better for a little while and then I'm still not having dairy, but the acne comes back. And then I thought it was gut health and probiotics and um, sauerkraut. I'm like, oh, if I just get my gut health right then, <laughs> but I'd be on point with my gut health and I'd have a breakout. And I just, you know, kind of just gave up trying to figure this thing out until I learned the map and about the dermis and the skin, deep skin controlled by the cerebellum and how a feeling attacked or feeling soiled conflict causes the body to adapt thicken the tissue in that area to create this barrier this shield how that biologically made perfect sense and then I looked at my experience and I was like of course I would feel soiled when I ate certain foods. so this whole you know pizza face or greasy food thinking that the grease from the food causes you know grease to get in the pores and then you know whatever the theory is about how that happens it's like no. I feel soiled. I feel gross when I eat something greasy and it gets grease on my face. And so that, and when my dog would lick my face, I would get, you know, a breakout. And so I was like, when that all came together, I'm like this, there's something here. I had an experience with um, a sore throat, like a, a terrible sore throat after swallowing a meatball. I was at a family gathering and, you know, was offered some food and I tasted it. I really didn't like it. The texture was super gross, but, you know, I swallowed it down instead of saying, mm, I'm not going to eat this or spitting it out. And I experienced the adaptation of the throat and had, you know, a very intense sore throat for a few days. And so those were my very beginning aha moments. And then every single person I've spoken to, every time we look at the story and we see it has proven itself again and again and again. And that's why, you know, one of the things about this work is that it is based on law, on consistent reproducible biological laws, not some of the time, 50% of the time, 80, even 90% of the time. No, it's consistent biological law. It's always that way. And so my understanding of this knowledge and my background as a chiropractor Chiropractic is a very, um, has a rich philosophical history, and the developers of chiropractic wrote volumes upon volumes of these green books. And I would read these in chiropractic college. Um, And the green books are all about innate intelligence and about how the body is ancient and wise and has been perfecting itself for millions and millions of years. But the educated mind has you know, been around and making theories about the body for a few thousand years and how all of its theories have been proven wrong and how the body doesn't make mistakes. The body always is doing what's necessary at every given moment to allow life in this, in this idea of life force and how it's not even the body, because what's the difference between a dead body and a live body? All the, you know, all of the organs are there, all of the tissues, the thing that is missing is the life force. And so that life force the life principle, this vitalism, this vitality that's flowing through us, that mysterious something that is to be alive, that spark, that's the thing that heals the body. And it's you know through aligning with your innate intelligence, with this divine intelligence that the body can heal itself. And so that already was very deeply rooted within me when I came across this knowledge. And so it all just like came together and it cleared up a lot of the questions that I had related to people i knew who lived perfect lifestyles, holistic, natural, organic, chiropractic, like they do all the things and then a diagnosis, breast cancer, brain cancer, a heart heart attack. It's like, how? If mm-hmm. if you're doing all the right things, how is that even possible? That was a very destabilizing thing that would happen periodically for me prior to learning about this, but now it's like this makes perfect sense. You could have the perfect diet, live the perfect most pristine lifestyle, But if you have a specific conflict shock, your tissues will adapt no matter what. And so it doesn't have to do with the food and you're not being punished for a bad diet. So that was, you know, that all of that was really revolutionary for me because I was the girl who would come home on break from uh, school and I'd go to my parents' pantry and I'd throw all the food away and I'd say, this is causing cancer and you have to stop eating this because this is making you sick and you're going to die early. And I would, you know, come in guns blazing and just like tell you the truth about health and freak people out and alienate myself from them. And now it's like, oh, I had to back up from that and and reorient my messaging and apologize. And, you know, but that is part of the journey of waking up to a new paradigm that makes more sense and having permission to go with what makes more sense rather than what you've always taught, you know, is part, I, I find, of that consciousness journey of having like admit I was wrong. I, you know, I was teaching something that made sense to me at the time, but now something else makes more sense. And so having permission to go with that um, was a big part of my journey too.
2: Wow. You very rich, very rich responsiveness you have. This is, uh, it's, it's, it's so significant because there's two, I think there's two points that I'd like to make from, from what you're saying. One is that, you know, people are very distracted and as you describe this process you're going through, I mean, I've been on this train for a long time—20 plus years—in the in the you know in the yoga, you know, in, in this whole Vedic, uh, and and swirling through this the ancient learnings. And I'll tell you that years ago I went through those processes too—the diet philosophies and the things that we, you know, and and at once you come upon the point where you go, oh that is, you know, that's kind of essentially just using statistics. And statistics are very easily manipulated. And so you can't go off of that. And that's what people have been doing. And And I wanted to point out one other thing. And that is, because of people being so distracted, they're essentially distracted with this persona, this character that they have associated themselves to. And this is where the sticky part is, With I think, with the, the being able to comprehend this paradigm shift because people are attached to a character that doesn't like that and I don't eat that and I can't do that and there's a very strong attachment there mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where people get stuck where it's like they may actually could see this but go, no, I'm going to go to the doctor because I need him to back me up that I am that person still. And so there's where there's a dicey part, and and I guess maybe one more third piece that is, and, and this is also part of what you're where you're speaking to, the the whole idea that distracted meaning not comprehending what's going on in the body, and and thus not comprehending that the mind and body they're not just communicating, they're not separate, and so it's that you know this is a third dimensional, uh, projection of the mind. And it's like the dashboard of the car, and people are going. But I don't know what's going on. I don't know why that light's flashing, and I'm going to look the other way, and I'm going to go ask someone. And so that's where the kind of fracture point in sovereignty, and personal sovereignty. And so, how would you speak towards, uh, you know, people who are kind of on the on the edge of going? Uh, I can see that contemporary medicine is a pretty big conflict of interest, but I just don't know, uh, you know, I, that's kind of where they got to step out, right?
0: Yeah. And so much of it is, you know, a lot, most people have a self devaluation conflict and are seeing the world through the lens of who am I to know? You know, little old me syndrome is something I call it too. It's like, well, who am I to know? You know, the doctor. And that, you know, and it's been indoctrinated into us from a very early age, since before we were even born. We have this authority. In this white coat that speaks these words we don't understand, and so there's just this implicit um, hierarchy of they're up there and I'm down here, and who am I to know? Like if you know, and this is a lot of people. if You know, if it was on the shelves and it was bad for you, they, they couldn't sell it. You know, if 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 this medication was harmful, if this injection would, could hurt me, they wouldn't give it to me. You know, and so there's this naivety about. Uh, how the world works and how these industries and incentives and the way that it's structured, how, you know, they can just a couple of statistics, they change one word. There's this, um, TV show I watched recently called Painkiller, and it's all about the opioid uh, crisis and how they got OxyContin to be legalized um, by the FDA. And it is crazy. It's so corrupt. And, you know, people give lip service understanding. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's corrupt. But it's like, no, do you get how corrupt it is? They changed like one phrase In the approval for this drug, it said, is believed to be less addictive. And when they put in is believed to be, they were able to sell the stuff like candy. And they did. And they made billions and billions of dollars and ruined people's lives. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we have to kind of really, you know, face and look at the story you know what i mean because that's the thing is when we're too zoomed into our own experience and right now and like you said people are distracted people are busy people don't have time to learn a whole new paradigm about health it's like i just need to you know quick fix help me feel better so and that is there is a system there is a health care system for the slaves and there's a health care system for the free and so you know the slaves they don't have time to sit down and learn about their health and understand, you know, the conflicts in their family lineage that led to them, you know, having these adaptations. It's like, no, no, take the drug, go to work, <laughs> you know, and as we're awakening and as we're coming to and realizing that, whoa, the way this unbiological way of living this rush distracted, you know, it, it's not leading to greater outcomes. You know, it's leading to more in, like it's leading to a dead end for our family lineage you know we see fertility rates plummeting people uninterested in even reproducing because of their conflicts and their constellations and you know they've got no idea that it is a dead end and so what people are waking up and so once you're in that process if you have been you know blessed in this lifetime to come across this information you have to address the self-devaluation the idea that you aren't smart enough that someone out there knows more than you do and little old. You are equipped with the ability to think and to understand. And so that means that you can comprehend. Yes, it's a lot, but you don't need to understand, you know, have memorized every single tissue layer in order to begin to benefit from the understanding that your body adapts for a purpose. And it's doing everything that it's doing to help you to survive some type of unresolved conflicting situation. And so your work is to look at those conflicting situations, look at the situations where you are angry, the thing that keeps you up at night, the thing that's always on your mind. It's like, okay, this is your innate intelligence trying to help you to resolve this. Because most of our conflicts, they are resolved spontaneously through our intuitive guidings. And so we have to be able to access that intuition, access that um, ability for our body simply to, you know, do what is intuitive, do what is natural. And we block that through, you know, conditioning. And so when you wake up to it, and that's what awareness is all about, is like seeing, oh, I'm suppressing this because I think that I'm not smart enough or I'm having a conflict right now. I'm having a bite conflict because I feel like I can't speak my mind and I've got this tooth that's rotting inside of my mouth. Simply because I have, you know, subjugated myself and I think that people are higher than me. I have to question that idea. Is there a hierarchy? Are there people that are better or higher than other people? Or is everyone existing on the same plate? Is this just an illusion? And when you shatter that illusion, you can resolve conflicts because no longer are you elevating someone else's opinion, their idea. You no longer feel ashamed or embarrassed to say, "Hey, I don't agree with that," or "I don't, I don't want to do that," or "This isn't working for me." You feel confident. You feel, you know, even people are afraid to question their doctors, and for good reason because doctors don't like to be questioned, no. and people who do question <laughs> in that Absolutely. dynamic. Find out right away that like uh, you can see the door. If, you know, you don't want to give your children all these injections. You're going to, you know, dare to question me. And so you do need to find a parallel path. You need to find an yeah. alternative. And but first believing in yourself, you know, yeah. believing in your capacity, because we all have equal access to infinite intelligence. And that's all you need. You don't need a, a college degree. I mean, a college degree is a liability, not an asset. You need simply to be <laughs> able to connect with your source, with your innate intelligence, with this deep wisdom, observing nature, learning this map is like observing nature, because that's the thing, ancient people, they didn't have this map, they just knew, they understood, they had this, you know, intuition, they had this instinctual guidance on how to be in the world, and we just have destroyed that instinct, and we've overridden that instinct, and we live indoors, and we don't spend time outside, and we don't rise and, uh, you know, go to sleep with the sun and we don't eat things in tune. Like everything is is all, you know, backwards, inverted society. Topsy-turvy so, land. Exactly. <laughs> step by step, we just start to live in greater alignment, spend more time in nature, more time, you know, not bombarding ourselves with other people's ideas. You know, yeah. letting ourselves like have true inspired thought, having that arise from within. I mean, even people can get a little crazy with the podcasts and crazy with the input, constant, 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 like, I got to learn something. Oh, I am not smart. Because again, where is this coming from? Why am I listening to this podcast? Is it because I think I'm not smart enough and I need more data and info so that I can be worthy? Or is it, oh, I'm, I'm curious and I and I like to learn and I enjoy, you know, uh, putting these ideas into, you know my my experiential stew is like a little bit of flavor a little bit you know and i'm doing it i'm curating this um consciously rather than i simply need something buzzing all the time i need other people's ideas you know and really just we all need to analyze that for ourselves and our usage of social media and you know edutainment (laughs) it's like what what role is this playing in my life
1: that's interesting (laughs) i like that edutainment nice um wow love it um now, Melissa, what are what are some of the most common health uh, misconceptions that uh, that their actual uh, biological adaptation? Uh, ha- they're,
2: mis, they're, they're miscomprehending the adaptation based on.
1: Exactly. No, the health misconceptions and their actual biologically adaptation uh, explanations. no? what, what are these uh, most common ones?
0: Oh, I mean, okay, so let's look at food. So, food, that was the big one for me. I thought that food had certain properties in it, and those properties cause damage to the body. You know, so uh, nitrates in food that causes damage to your DNA, and, you know, it it causes cancer to develop because it's damaging your normal um, DNA. And so, that is creating this process of uh, uncontrolled cell proliferation. And I, I literally would teach this. I would teach people in these seminars about sugar, how sugar feeds cancer and sugar is inflammatory. And when you eat sugar, it's inflaming all of your joints and it's causing, you know, if there's cancer growing in your body because you have a suppressed immune system, this is what I used to think is that if I, you know, had an organic peanut butter cup, but it's got sugar in it. And so that suppressed my immune system. And so that allows the bad guys to take over. And this was what made sense to me at the time, it was the model of reality from which I was operating. And I, you know, and I didn't realize kind of the religious underpinnings of the sin, the sin of eating the peanut butter cup. Mm-hmm. And now you have the punishment of the suppressed immune system. And now you have a sore throat, you know, so that was my old ideology. And so that's the misconception is that it's the food and inherent inflammatory Properties or DNA damaging properties within the food gets into the system and cause wreaks havoc, causes a problem. Um, when what's happening is I'm either having a can't swallow conflict or I shouldn't be swallowing this, I shouldn't be putting this into my mouth, or an indigestible morsel conflict. We have to look at the nature of the symptom. You know, is it diarrhea? Is it a sore throat? Is it um, you know a uh, mouth herpes or you know a blister a cold sore on the mouth it's like okay what was it how was i experiencing that food it's not the food it's you that's always what i like to say when it comes to you know allergies like if there's a food that causes a predictably causes a symptom for you avoiding that symptom Um, Avoiding that food is a good strategy at first because it's not the food, though. It is the fact that it's tracked, it's tied biologically, subconsciously to an unresolved conflict. And so if you can make the identification of why that food got tracked with an indigestible morsel conflict, I did an interview with a a woman who shared her story about um, granola. And she was getting this terrible gas every time she had this granola. And she's like, I want to be able to eat this nice, it's like fresh, organic, homemade granola. You know, she's like, why is this a problem for me? And she tracked it back to a situation where her husband was almost, he was, had been deployed and he was like two days from coming home and she's, you know, ready to welcome him back. And two days before they said, oh, you're, you have to go here now and we don't have a date about when this is going to be over. And it was like, and she remembered, she had been eating like a lot of cereal and granola around that time. And so, you know, if she's you know, eating something or it's in her system and she gets this call. Oh yeah, your hu- you, you almost were able to, you know, digest having your husband back, but now he's gone and we don't know when he's going to be there. So you couldn't digest, you couldn't accept and absorb what it is that you wanted. You had this indigestible morsel conflict and your psyche just, all it does is it's just analyzing what's in the system right now. What's in the system right now? Oh, granola. Okay, flag it. So that, you know, if we have this in our system, again, the assumption by the biology is that we're going through this, this situation again. And we have to think about this in the ancient context. If there is a little animal down at a water hole and there is, you know, a juniper bush next to the water hole and it almost gets eaten by a predator at that water hole, it makes sense. For survival purposes, that the juniper bush gets a little flag on it. And so when I encounter a juniper bush, I need to have at the ready the adaptive program. And so the, the biology isn't going to wait and see, oh, you know, is it, you know, is there a predator? It was there once. This was here. We activate the program. Why? Because survival. Because if we didn't have these brilliant adaptation programs, we would not be here. And so really, you know, revering the fact that our biology is so wise and so responsive that it will, it programs for survival. And if, if this provided a survival advantage to some ancestor in my lineage, it gets, it stays stored as a program because it was helpful. And yes, in our modern context, a lot of our adaptive programs seem silly. Sometimes people will be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Why would the body do that? That doesn't make any sense. Well, that's because you've got a modern mind and you have an ancient biology. And so you have to recognize that the ancient biology came first. And it has to be the way that it is in order for you to even be here. And so it is, there's a little bit of, you know, existential humility of the fact that like, are these bodies have such wisdom that we can even hardly begin to understand or comprehend. We don't know how life is. We don't know how all of this happens. Dr. Homer got a huge insight, a huge download about how it works, but there's still so many mysteries. And so, you know, Understanding that there's a reason that my biology would be responding to this food in this way. And it's not that the food is bad. It's that for me, it's been tagged, it's been flagged, my biology responds to it. But if I recognize that what happened then can't happen now, the woman with the granola story, she sat down with the granola and she like had this moment where she's like, you know what, my husband, he's he's here. He's never gonna be deployed again. All is well, you know, and she kind of consciously um, worked on this this track with the granola, and she was able to eat it, no problem. She was eating it daily. She just enjoys this granola so much. But then a couple of weeks later, her husband came to her and said, "Oh, I got a job offer with the railroad, and the railroad um, job would be like less than." 24, 48 hour notice. And basically I'd be gone for two to seven days or something like that. You know, so I, I, I would get a call and then I'd be gone. And so, you know, she's, she's thinking about it and she's like, okay, you know, this could be, this could be fine. And she's kind of talking herself into it. But the next time she had the granola, the yeah, gas came back. back. So, and so that allowed her to realize I'm actually not okay with this. And, you know, my biology does feel unsafe. This indigestible morsel has come back. And so she talked to her husband about it. He decided not to take the job and she's been good ever since, but it's like, that's how this thing works. And it's so fun to experience it, to pay attention, to see these threads and how they connect and how the biology is just doing it. You can't lie to it. (laughs) You know, that's why people are like, I've worked on my conflict and, but I'm still having the symptom. It's like, that's you know, don't stress out about that. There's just another layer to uncover. There's another piece of the puzzle. There's another part of your psyche. And the psyche isn't just the conscious thinking mind. It's the deep down. It's the part, it is the, it's the deep subconscious body mind that's keeping you alive all of the time. You can't lie to it. You can't psychologize. You can't, you know, and that's the thing where people kind of mess up the, understanding or they misinterpret and they say oh so I can just think my way out of this you know in in a flippant way but it's like yes and no you know so yes we can do things to make these conscious awarenesses so that we can get that sense of deep relief um, regarding a situation you know but ultimately you know the biology for this woman it's like she couldn't fake it she couldn't say I'm fine yeah this is great you know like you can take that job her biology said no And so she, you know, conveyed that and was able to change her external environment, which meant her husband not going away, you know? And so when that's possible, we want to change the environment because that's just the easiest way to go about it. That's the most natural. That's what's going to work best for babies and pets and animals is a practical resolution external in the environment. You know, this is the problem. Let's fix it. Um, And we, and that's the best way to resolve the conflict, you know, but when there are situations where you can't go right at it. You can't resolve it practically. That's where we have to look at the consciousness and changing our perception and changing, you know, the things where, you know, our identity, how, you know, what am I believing is true about me that's keeping me in this state of conflict? Because if I can, and this is where, you know, kind of like transcendent moments, there's a Everyone, most people are aware in the health community of uh, Anita Morjani and her experience, where she was like at the brink of death. She was like, you know, um, I think it was lymphoma, and she's in the We've hospital. Been there. And she's both
2: of us have been there, right there, <laughs> wasting death. away. Mm-hmm
0: totally like wasting away. The doctors are like, yeah, she's basically done. And she, and I think she must've had like a flying constellation because she had this moment where she like left her body and she had this realization of, you know, of oneness of everything's fine of how this came to be. And she came back in and, and went through this process where again, they thought she was going to die, but she didn't die. And people love stories like that. And probably your stories as well of like going to the brink of that edge of death and realizing, oh, it's, it's coming from me. It's my devaluation. It's the way I'm not loving myself and loving other people and forgiving and letting go and moving on. And it's like, oh, amazing. That's you know? And so that,
2: You're talking yeah, that profound ex- stuff, Amiga, because you know, that's my, uh, my personal story is very similar to that. And you know, so th- that's very profound what we're talking about. And I think we're on a very important precipice right now, and that precipice, of course, is now once again relating to a more uh, a larger uh, story that's going on here. And uh, you know, I like to call it the living story that we're tapping into. And you know, we just uh, uh, our episode eight came out today with Julia Tulsi Bagnolia, who's also a friend of yours. And so uh, she's amazing, and we did a really cool episode with her on the Vedic astrology. And you know, what's so what's so profound here is that. A, that since when we talk in the, uh, in the astrological sense, you know, this is the idea that there's these karmas that are being doled out. There's these energetic propensities that are coming, and these are essentially uh, impersonal, and you personalize them. You make them personal by taking on based on who you are relatively associated as, and then you're relating what is taking place based on this content and this information. And, you know, when we talk about the uh, resolutions of you know people's conflicts and illnesses what's so powerful and profound is that part of it it's like burning the candle at, at both ends one end is you're finding out that you actually have been associating as as uh, a, a bundle of thoughts sensations and emotions and a body and yet you can very easily verify that you're not the body and you can quite easily verify that you're actually not the mind either. And when you do that, all of a sudden you have pried yourself from this deep ingrained association. And so that's one end of it because that's creeping on, of course, the realization side. Then the other end is being informed of your body and recognizing and being here now and being now is the only place you can be. And so when you are, all of a sudden you are engaged with what's going on. And this is where we find our playing field and that, you know, we're in a, a state right now where there are people starting to go, I don't want to be like this any longer. And they're going, but I haven't been listening to this. And as they get in and start to become informed, it's so powerful because it's one thing when you go, but I just don't know the language, but it's another thing when you go in and you... In, in you become introspective to the sensations in the body and you just show up to them without trying to give them a name, without trying to take them for a ride. And you just show up present and stay and all of a sudden, you start to become informed as you become more, you know, in a deeper relaxed state, you expand your, your uh, bandwidth, and you start to become informed by, as you had mentioned earlier, the unlimited And so, you know, what is, you know, what is left out of the unlimited? Nothing. So that's the key, I think, where we are wanted to bring the playing field for our audience is also this profound comprehension that it's the association to the character and the character is the one who is tagging the event. Because there's people that could walk in two different people in the same room and this major event happens and one person goes off of the conflict and one person eats a sandwich and is, you know, and is chill. And so this is related to this whole binding to the concept of who the character is. And I just wanted to point it out because it's just so profound, isn't it? It's just like very exciting. And I think that's where I feel that we're interested in bringing people's uh, curiosity back. And, and, and don't you find that it's really the curiosity, like even with yourself, where you were like, wait a second, like you're getting curious about this. And I think that's the path maybe that we encourage um, our listeners, that if they looked at it on the curious side, instead of, you know, and, and, and how do you comment towards that as far as the, the pathway of someone to get excited about learning about themselves, if it's, you know, what would you say about that?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that if you're not curious, you know, you're rigid and just kind of doing the same thing day after day, like when you're curious about why do I do this? <laughs> everything. I mean, that's just a, a wonderful practice to begin. It's like everything that I'm doing. Have I thought about this or is this just an autopilot? The way that I talk to my spouse, the way that I go through my day, the way that I, you know, talk to myself inside of my head. It's like, I've never thought about the way that I think. I've never thought about the way that I respond or even looking if you have a symptom, you know, like how do you do you react to that symptom with frustration and irritation and, you know, irritation with yourself or all oh, this GNM's not working or all oh, this. My diet's not where it's like. How are you curious about, isn't it interesting that this is still here? I wonder, you know, I wonder what this is here to show me. I wonder what this is here to teach me. Even just beginning to soften in that way and to say, hmm, how is this consistent with my ideas about myself? The beliefs that I have, you know, the way that I was raised, the way that I was, you know, the the things that were told to me very early on in my life, zero to seven. It's just like I was being hypnotized. And if I've never woken up to that hypnotic spell, if I've never looked at, you know, the way that I live my life, and what do I think about men? What do I think about women? What do I think about money? What do I think about, you know, all these different things? If you've never. Question and that's really um, in the awareness school. One of the things that we do is we look at all look at all the stuff you believe. Are you believing it consciously and intentionally, or is it just by default? Is it just what everybody believes? If it's just what the people around you and that in my own personal journey was enormous because. I was extremely uh, religious for the first 25 years of my life. I was an evangelical Christian. I was raised in that ideology. And that's just, you know, I didn't ever think anything. I never questioned it. I never really looked at it. I was like, that's what I was raised with. That's what my parents believed. That's what, you know, the people that I was around, that's what everyone believed. And so I didn't ever even think about my belief system. It just, no, this is the truth. This is the way that it is. And I was very dogmatic in my approach to that. And that's how I was um, in the chiropractic world too. I was very dogmatic, very much. This is the way that it is. I need to preach the truth to everyone. And so I've kind of, you know, uh, and I, and I see the temptation to get that way, even about the GNM and the biological laws and, you know, to be dogmatic and this is the way that it is. And everyone needs, it's like, I'm a little softer now, you know, it's like, this is what makes the most sense to me right now. (laughs) This is the model, the framework, the paradigm. This makes the most sense to me. It's most consistent. If something else comes along that makes more sense, it's like, I have to be open and willing and, you know, to... To change the, the things I'm thinking about. Right. It. And I, you know, because I've already gone through that transition with some big, huge beliefs and it's feel, it's very unstabilizing to change what you believe about yourself, about the world, your health paradigm. I mean, it feels like the existential rug is being pulled out from underneath you. It's like, I, everything I thought that I knew, but when you, and this is, um, uh, example given by Alan Watts that I love. It's like when you, I thought I had this like very secure frame and understanding of the world. And it's, it's, like I'm in free fall, and I've like put a carpet underneath me, and a and a lamp, and a, and a chair, and I'm like, oh, this is. But I had to zoom out enough to see I'm I'm in free fall, free fall. Like this is all in free fall, and that if if I cling to an ideology and say, Oh, this is going to keep me safe. This is this idea about the world. And so that is kind of letting it all go, shedding every belief, every idea that you've had about yourself and about the world. And with fresh eyes, like, like a child, like what would it look like if I was, you know, looking at the world with a fresh lens, without this attachment or this desire to fulfill what I already believe, because that's what we're all doing It's like, we have belief systems, and we unconsciously are trying to prove our belief system all of the right. time. It's like, okay, so I, I'm safe, right? So because if, if if everyone believes what I believe, I'm I'm safe, I'm in the clear, I'm good. And to abandon all, let it all go, and then see what sticks, you know? And so that does require courage and curiosity so that I can, you know, be willing to stand naked with no belief systems, with no identities, no ideas, no labels, and and then see you know, where do I want to go next? You know, what makes the most sense to me? What's the most fun for me? You know, or not, (laughs) and stay clung to all of your ideas and labels and and identity and play that game. You know what?
2: That's so, this is, this is really, uh, I want to point out something very key because as you're mentioning beliefs, I want to point something out and that is belief. And this is what, uh, the way that I, uh, Uh, explain it is that belief is like a leveraging mechanism because you can't believe and know at the same time. And so it's really key that when you utilize belief, you understand what it's used for. It's used in order to leverage you in a direction. The reason is so that you can actually experience to know. And so, you know, when you say that you're peeling back these beliefs, I think this is such a significant aspect of the realization process because there's one idea out there and it's kind of new agey and that idea is that you're going to build someone new But you see, the fact is, is that that's just building a superpowered new version of the ego that's going to be arm-wrestling you in a new location. So, realizing is this whole aspect where you're peeling these things that you believed in, but if you can't, like you mentioned, it's very significant where you say, um, people are, usually what they do is they protect and try to support their belief system. Why? Because they don't know. That's why you believe. And so that's why that mechanism of protection is there. It's because I need to make this stand ground because it's not concrete. And, and so, you know, yes, there's this concept of the free fall. But once you shift into the perspective of realization and you start to comprehend that you had been connecting to objects and identifying to objects, but you're not an object and that you're the subject... It's less about clinging and more about being. And that's where we start to find this completely different level of informed in the conscious space when we are now in a state of realizing that we're the light shining through the mind and body and that we're not the uh, ideas and the objective qualities that we've clung to. And I, I just wanted to point out because you know, the, the, uh, there can be a lot of rigid concepts even in the Gamanisha even in the GHK. There's some, even though they're, you know, they're speaking about kind of being very non-dogmatic. I'd say there's a pretty heavy, lofty bit of dogmatism in there still. And, and so I'm so grateful and it's very refreshing to communicate with you because how could we climb out of a box and climb into another box? I mean, right? I mean, this is really more about uh, climbing out of the box so you're no longer stuck. And then you go, okay, who am I? And that's where we start to get a lot of action. And that's where this whole hit the, the gyana button and the self-realization button comes For in. For
1: sure. <laughs> it's profound, very profound. And uh, Melissa, you mentioned food as one of the common health misconceptions. What what would be another one? The, most common just to give our audience a little bit of more more of that
0: germs the idea that there are microbes that can jump on you and that can make <laughs> you sick i mean that's one of the most adopted um, unquestioned the
2: invisible course, terrorists course. yep
0: the invisible the scary invisible the invisible thing that you can touch a doorknob and it can make you sick and that'll make your family sick and everyone's going to get sick around you because of contagion, because of this little microbe that you've never seen before. Um, it is, and when we realize like that is a belief system, it is a religion. Um, this idea that there are little microbes and it's, you know, based in materialism, that there has to be some kind of physical particle, something that's making us sick. And so the idea that and, and it's very easy to see how people how this misconception came to be, because when you understand the fourth biological law and you see that bacteria are seasonal workers, they're helpers in the body. And so if a person has a symptomatic area of their body. You know, just think about it like in just caveman terms. Ooh, this hurts here. And then as we've evolved, we say, oh, we can look at this under a microscope. And we see something, we say, aha, it's this something that's causing this. And we say, oh, if we just get rid of this, we'll get rid of. It. You know the problem, and so that it makes sense. It's very, it's very simplistic. It's very, you know, primitive <laughs> to think that because we see the the microbe at the location of inflammation and symptoms, that it's the cause of it. But that is out of context. We don't understand. You know, and and that's the funny thing. Even like within the medical paradigm, they know that there are bacteria in the body everywhere, all of the time. You know, there's strep in the body. There's E. coli. There's um, tuberculosis, but they're latent. They're they're just chilling. They're just there, but you don't have an active infection. And they, you know, have this whole idea that oh, when your, your immune system is suppressed, and the bad bacteria can take over the good bacteria. Um, That made sense to me for a while, you know, and that was like the paradigm that I was working from, but this makes even more sense because the bacteria are serving a purpose. Just like when we look in nature, when you see, you know, rotting trash, when you see a decomposing log, it's, we've got bacteria and fungus, we've got mold, we've got stuff that's decomposing, it's recycling, it's breaking down what is no longer needed, that, you know, when we correlate all of the five biological laws to the universal principles, it's like, this makes perfect sense that as above, so below what we see in nature is what we see in the body. This is all, it all works in the same way. And so the idea it's, it's about the causative agent. And so in the conventional idea, the causative agent is the microbe. The microbe has a nefarious motive to get in and to, Wreak havoc, or to cause some type of problem, or to replicate itself through your, you know, through your DNA, um, which are all theories, by the way, all these unproven ideas that we have mm-hmm. taken as truth because someone made, you know, an infographic about it and made a CGI image of mm-hmm. this is a <laughs> microbe and this is what it's doing. Um, that's And the same thing goes for, you know, like the metastasis theory, all these theories that we have, it's like, it sounds really good. And we can make a, you know, a CGI and animated, you know, uh, video about it. So someone can say, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's how it works. But it not actually worked that way in reality at all. <laughs> when you read the, the papers and you're like, how did they come to this conclusion? This doesn't make any sense. If you go, you know, into the John Enders paper and the origination of virology and how just like... This is smoke and mirrors and gobbledygook, and it actually doesn't make any the sense. The salesman got to,
2: involved. That's what happened.
0: Totally, <laughs> and to the marketing
2: department. Person. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It's a huge, wonderful, brilliant, genius marketing scam. But we think it's like legitimate, serious science, and it's given to us by the the scientists and the epidemiologists and those who know. Um, and so, again, it's very understandable that people have been hoodwinked by this idea because um, there's that you know one if you zoom in enough, the the, uh, the ex- explanation makes sense. It's like, okay, mm. I get it. I was around someone who was coughing and sick and now I'm coughing and sick. And so it's like, they must have spread a particle to me. If you don't think any more about it, that makes sense. Because then we have to talk about the fact that other people are, were around, they were in the same environment as the cougher, but they didn't, I got it, but they didn't. How does that work? If we're sharing the same air, it's everyone has their own unique experience. And that's one of the things that I love about understanding the GHK is that it's all about the individual. And yes, can we get around people who are expressing symptoms and we develop the similar symptoms to what they had because of our reaction and our response to them. So like when I, you know, when your partner is unwell, when they're expressing symptoms, like how much are you kind of going into that experience with them? What did they experience that you also experienced when they had a symptom? How do you feel when you're caring for, you know, your sick child. Oh, this stinks. Oh, it stinks. I can't swallow that my child is unwell, that my partner is unwell. How did that affect you? And so we have to get more curious about experience rather than just Particle transfer, you know, same thing with the idea of like STDs. It's like, oh, an STD, it's just a bad germ in, you know, in your private parts that jumps onto some. And it's like, is that all that's going on when two people have an intimate encounter as just body parts touching each other and particles jumping? No, it's an extremely complex emotional experience, and depending if you had a conflict. You know, about the contact, about having the contact, regretting the contact, you know, separating from the contact, that that is what leads to the thing we call an STD. And so this one does take a little bit more time for people to really kind of transfer their ideas around because, again, the indoctrination is deep. And obviously, with the last three years, the propaganda and people's conviction that this is how it works, they don't even think to question it. So, you know, I find that the fourth biological law take some time for people to really understand and wrap their head around. But that's one of the biggest misconceptions about what causes sickness is germs is invisible particles that you can't see that you think are in your body, making you sick rather than you went through a conflict shock and adaptation. And then the microbes are there as part of the restoration process. You know, but that that's the big that's a big one. And
2: there's a, and you know what there's religious undertones in there, isn't there? I mean, you see the you see how powerful that is, and you start to see and comprehend once you're uh, not distracted that you start to comprehend that the underpinnings are a very religiously based. And so then there's the good and evil again, and here we go through the cycle. And you need the third party because the priest or the pastor needs to talk to God for you, and he's out there and all that stuff. Get in line. Yeah. Get in line. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, wow. And, uh, I wanted to, uh, one, one more thing I want to point out, which is you, uh, you are mentioning this, uh, you know, this whole thing that I think is probably the, uh, probably the, the, the part that is probably one of the most complicated for people is the, the idea of a the passing the passing the germ and saying i was there and my kids were there and they were at the party and they got sick so there's one of them right and then the other one is the idea of the immune system because that's part of the marketing strategy and that's part of the whole idea because they're like okay well how are we going to how are we going to Uh, cover this part because it's all been reverse engineered, of course. So then they go, how are we going to cover this part? Okay, now we've got to have to put in that there's a police force inside the body and they're going to go and they're going to fight these guys. And so that's another layer that now because then someone goes, yeah, well, he didn't get sick because he had the good, uh, you know, fighters. And so how do you? Um, how would you mention or uh, very simply just to point out the difference between, of course, as we're t- again on the fourth biological law, because we're talking about this, you know, how this force is being kind of miscomprehended that there's good guys and bad guys. and But how, how, what is the most simple way to convey that to go, look, here's why you think the immune system exists, but here's what it really is.
0: Totally. So, you know, the, the good, the good, good versus evil. Do I think that there, and this actually gets us into the fifth biological law. Do you think that there is evil in nature? Mm -hmm. That There is evil that needs to be overcome. That is this, you know, this age old tale of good versus bad. I've got the, you know, the fighters that defend against. It's like, does, when you take your trash to the curb and the garbage man comes and removes it, is he attacking the garbage? or just simply removing it. That is the difference between <laughs> the immune system that comes to fight and to attack the you know that's like thinking that the garbage man is attacking your trash, when he is simply removing it, taking it away, you know, and we, we label and we look at this as an evil, as this bad, you know, dramatic thing that's taking place, because, you know, it puts us in the drama triangle, you know, we have the the persecutor of the germ, we have the, uh, the victim that is you, Absolutely. and then we have the, the rescuer, which is you know, the drug or the immune system has to come in and rescue. And it's like, no, that's actually not what's taking place, is that there is a support system and that there are certain, you know, Bacteria that belong in certain germ layers. And if there seems to be something, so when you have an injury and it's inflamed and we say, oh, it's gotten infected, it's simply that you know the tissues are restoring their integrity. And so as the tissue is restoring its integrity, if something got in there that shouldn't be in there, you know, it's not an immune response of the body attacking the baddie that shouldn't be there, it's simply the garbage man cleaning up the tissue layers and restoring the tissue layers to their proper integrity. And so, yes, that's why even just basic, you know, cleanliness is very helpful, you know, simply because when we feel gross and grimy, when we feel, you know, disgusted, (laughs) we have more conflict, you know? So that's where, you know, the uh, development of sanitation and cleaner streets and, and uh, toilets and things like that. It's like in refrigeration, it's like, that was all very helpful because just put yourself in a stinky apartment with lots of bodies, with no indoor plumbing, with no, you know, ventilation um and we've got rotten meat and we just like put yourself in that Sounds type like a of frat house yeah and think about the <laughs> types of conflicts you might develop and how when there's you know when there's uh you know waste management and there's plumbing and there's all of these wonder modern amenities how fewer conflicts that we would have simply because you're not surrounded by filth, feeling gross, feeling, you know, threatened in your territory, which is the, you know, lung adaptations. And so the thing that brings about the cough, the scary Rona, that's, you know, it's simply I felt unsafe in my territory, the air that I was breathing. There, I had a territorial fear conflict and my bronchial mucosa adapted because of that fear and how, you know, and this is why we have to reprogram our minds around the idea of coughing and spreading and this idea that someone breathing someone else's air can make you sick because can't. You see how that ideology, that fear based ideology of invisible, scary things flying through the air simply by being around someone who is breathing. It can cause me harm in my body. That is, in and of itself, a territorial fear conflict, a stink conflict, an anger. It can cause all sorts of things depending on how you're perceiving it. The whole war of the masks and the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. The only way that that could happen is when people are so deep in their dogma, so deep in their ideology that they can't even hug their loved one because they have this fear of the scary invisible, and they don't realize that's just like you know being afraid of the boogeyman. (laughs) really is it's like it's this idea that's so ingrained that you're afraid of and your biology is reacting to so um you know having the wake up call realizing huh more people who got the thing got sick than the people who did like how are the people who didn't get the thing even still here like actually asking that question
2: we were supposed to be gone by now all of us (laughs) but we're here uh, talking
0: I know and so you know and and again is it that person, they may not wake up, they may not be willing to relinquish, they're holding on tight to this idea. You know what, I
2: I wanted to point something out because there's some really key things here. One of them is that what we're talking about, this whole concept of the identity, this is related to the, really to a victim mindset. And this is related to the religious aspect, it's also related to the self-devaluation. And so now we start to see how it all ties together because... You know, the whole idea of, like, for example, what's being propagated is that we've got that you are this tiny speck in the middle of the universe you are so insignificant that you're basically useless and this is the story and so then where are you going to go from there so that's where everyone's clinging and then of course there's a lot of this programming that's coming in that is fostering of course which is really good for business to foster the victim and to keep the and so that's the big one that's what we're dealing with is this massive wave of campaigning for the victim and that's where we're at right now but even to go to the, the higher level on this which is so profound is that as we see the law of correspondence in action here and we see the corresponding levels we see that if we look at the earth as as a uh, as as a the the as above being the larger organism and then we see that it's metabolizing Then we start to see that when we look at this model and then you expand it and extrapolate it, now you look at the model and you go, oh, so now I was thinking that the bad guys, but they're the same as saying um, the parasite and going, but why didn't that person get parasites? And one of the things that uh, that you may want to comment on, but I find profound that I think is a big help for people is to go, look, the reason that everyone is eating food that has these larvae in them. If you happen to get it, it's because you had the environment that was provided in order that it could consume what it's in the conditions that it needed. And typically that would mean that you are in a adaptation process. And so... Aren't we all going through that? And so isn't that on a larger level where you start to scale out and go, you know, I understand that there's a the, the truth or movement. And I mean, you know, I, was on, I started on that 25 years ago on that stuff. But you get past that when you see that the earth is metabolizing and you go, instead of trying to point out that this guy's the bad guy, you see that you need the cockroach. And if you say, I don't like cockroaches, get rid of them all, then you don't get it. And that the metabolism can't do its thing. And so all these different things, were we called them into the greater macro in order to consume through this adaptation we're in. I just wanted to drop the mic on that. And if you have any comments.
0: I mean, that's how it all works. It's like when you can start seeing everything in your life as a meaningful outward representation of an internal state of consciousness, an idea, an identity, a belief, it's like this is here for a reason. Your money problems are here for a reason. Your relationship dramas are here for a reason. The, you know, your insecurities, they're all here to teach you because they're all things that you're not. And so the more that you can realize, it's like, this is, you know, we are in this playground to learn about who we really are. And that is, you know, part of that is to go into extreme fear and extreme tragedy and grief and to get super identified. But at some point you want to wake up, you want to wake up inside the game and realize, See it for what it is. See the bad guy and the good guy. And you see the game. You see the duality, and you're like, oh, well, this is duality. Yeah, okay, so I made
2: this has... up. This is amazing.
0: <laughs> it has to be this way, you know? And so no. that you no longer are resisting it and you realize, oh, if I'm suffering, and this is like a big thing. It's like if I'm suffering, if I am in a, you know, in a conflict and a, you know, it's like, it's because I am believing in the duality. I'm living. On the game board rather than, you know, being the you know awareness that is observing the game. And so that the more that I can identify with the awareness, with the witness, with the, you know, the observer who's just watching the show rather than being the character in the show, mm-hmm. only the character in the show can have a conflict. Mm-hmm. You know, That's all right. that is can't have a conflict because yeah. it doesn't live in duality. It's only... The, the part of myself, my partitioned consciousness that goes down into the physical form and is playing the game and is believing in the role and believing in the, you know, the fact that I could be separated. So a separation conflict implies that you believe in separation. And obviously, an infant believes in separation because its programming is, is biological and it needs its mother because it to be separated from your mother as an infant is certain death to not be with the tribe is certain death. And so it makes sense that we have that biological programming. But as we wake up through consciousness and through self-reflection and through thinking about thinking and realizing, oh, there's a difference here. There's something going on that's more than simply a biological process. There is higher consciousness. And so that's where, again, do I want to be in the game or observing the game? Mm-hmm. And how much control do I have over which you know role I'm playing right now? And so i aim to be more in the awareness the witness of the drama rather than in the drama you know and that is Mm -hmm. something that just I've come to through my own personal and everybody has to you know again play the game figure out you know am I playing this in the way that makes the most sense that feels the best or is it mostly unconscious and you know again if you're unconscious you're unconscious and you're not even aware of this conversation or Mm -hmm. that possibility Mm -hmm. but you know when tragedy strikes or when you have an awakening or something happens you know everybody at some point we're going to play all the roles we're going to go through all the experiences we're going to be you know in every possible scenario and so it's kind of all good there's a sense in which none of it you know teaching it sharing it it's like okay that's it's it's simply to sing the song and those who are already on that wavelength tend to find it and get really enriched by it and you know it just kind of speeds up their journey maybe even if that's possible it's like cuz there is you know, when you really get down to it, there is that inherent perfection, and in all that is in the drama, in the Bill Gates, in the you know the Scandemic. Yep. It's all. It's all part of the metabolism,
2: absolutely. Part of the
1: metabolism. Yeah. I, like, I like that. It's a beauty, yeah, for I, sure.
2: I wanted to. I wanted to point out one. I wanted to point out a, a, a Wu Sin quote that was, "Confusion is mistaking an object to uh, uh, mistaking an object to object relationship for a subject to object relationship." and this is where you know this is what we're talking about you're like you know you're you can play the character in it but uh, you know awareness is you know the spectator so you know it's kind of like pretty awesome how we uh, how how we brought this together today i'm very grateful this is uh
1: pretty awesome for sure and uh of course we have uh, mentioned some of the statements that that you've made uh in time and there's one in particular that i would love if you could elaborate a little bit and it has to do when when you say that Mother Nature does not make mistakes. Uh, this is a significant part of the transition from outsourcing your health to actually health sovereignty, isn't it?
0: Absolutely, and and recognizing that there is perfection in what the, even though if something looks gruesome, if you've got a sore, if you've got a pimple, it's like this looks gr- this looks bad, this looks wrong. When you can view it in the context of Mother Nature and how nature goes about breaking things down, it's like, yeah, it kind of looks a little gruesome for a while. But after that, the body is is moving towards um, restoration and knowing that mother nature, because it has to be this way. Otherwise, again, we wouldn't even be here if there wasn't a perfection in this biological programming that surpasses our conscious mind that simply is this deep wisdom of survival and reproduction and adaptation and survival and reproduction and adaptation. It's like, That's the game. That's the game of the biological physical universe. And some people think that that's all that this is. is It's all just biology. It's all just physical, you know, and that's just one level of experience. Um, and, and recognizing that and kind of being in that and really immersing yourself just in pure biological reality, yep. you know, that's one way to do it. But realizing, you know, that there are places we can go, you know, beyond that and whether that's just the result of a, you know, flying constellation that we've just been so bombarded with conflict that our psyche has even the ability, the super sense to fly above and to see from different perspectives and and to exit the normal um, biological Yeah, that's holding you to, back. To fantasy land. It's yeah. like, that's also, you know, a beautiful, brilliant adaptation. And so yeah, that recognition that mother nature is always doing what makes sense to keep this physical universe going. It's knit together with these perfect uh, laws that everything is, is mathematical. It's like, it's the math of nature. The biology is, how you know, and I love that about like the second biological law, and so we can see the you know this beautiful rhythm and how things work and the birth process we see it in music it's like it shows up everywhere it is the you know the fractal nature of this reality and how it all works it's it's just so beautiful indeed
1: Wonderful. beautiful Thank very you for rich very
2: very rich absolutely a, a very rich episode indeed,
1: very much um well, I mean. I think uh, we've we've talked a lot of many beautiful things and uh, I want to just open the space, Melissa for you to let our audience know where to reach you, how to reach you, a little bit about what you're doing and you know that that'll be amazing.
0: Yeah, so my um, social media channels are a great way to kind of come into my world. My YouTube channel has tons of great videos, lots of basics on, you know, GNM 101. And that's like was my first video that I made to kind of like, you know, talk about this and and really promote the awareness of the biological laws. Um, So I definitely recommend uh, checking those out my Instagram channel. I have a whole library of courses. So, uh, my partner Steve and I, part of, you know, as we've been aware of this knowledge and working it into our uh, thought technology. So, the way that we think about life, uh, we have created a series of courses um, called the Resolve Program. And it's all about taking a conflict, like a territorial anger conflict, self devaluation, an identity conflict, abandonment, and looking at what is that really made out of and how can I look at this in a different way, you know? And so we provide a lot of different ideas for shifting your perspective and experience Um, and we just weave in all sorts of different ideas that we found very liberating because it's all about freedom and it's all about finding your way out of this tangled up knot of your conflict and finding the thread that can loosen and you can pull and unravel and find that freedom that you're seeking and so that's what that library of courses is is all about. We, four times a year, we do a class called Awareness School, which you mentioned, and this is our deep dive into perception. This is um, a a pattern level understanding framework for how you create, your experience of reality. It's a really fun deep dive into, you know, what makes me the way that I am, self-understanding. And so I, I love the course. I really enjoy guiding people through it because I found it extremely helpful in adopting and understanding you know, how my perception is playing a role in the conflicts that I have and the ones that persist. Um, I also have a class that I teach on Mondays called The Language of Adaptation. And this is all about uh, getting into like the nuts and bolts of the five biological laws. Currently, we are going through the, um, the chart and we're going through just each each level and each page that dr homer wrote in his chart and kind of doing a deep dive there and people come and ask questions so it's a great place to kind of get in on a weekly conversation um and so that's what i'm up to currently
2: nice we nice. can link we can link some stuff in the show notes so that uh, our audience can check it out wow thank you very much
1: for sure for sure absolutely right. and uh you know um we always like to to get to the point where we give our audience a little bit of conclusions, of golden nuggets of the conversation that we that we just had. So, Jay, do you want to to do you want to, to take us around those golden well, nuggets and I, any other comments? I think
2: it, it I think it could be really beneficial if everyone just listened to this episode a few times and maybe on 1.5, just so they could. The whole thing is nuggets. Um, you know, the misconceptions of the, you know, symptoms and biological adaptations, I think we're, we, we've are we covered such key points. I mean, you, your profound statement about Mother Nature does not make mistakes, which is fifth law, biological law, something that's important to comprehend. Health sovereignty versus, again, we're talking ultimate sovereignty, and health sovereignty is kind of a uh, aspect of that. Um, touched on um, the you know the whole concept of the invisible invaders the good versus evil Um, and there's a level here that I wanted to point out about trust and you know a lot of people are kind of in a, a state of a lack of trust and I think what we've been conveying here is that when you trust in the source of your existence that's different than trusting in and believing in some ideology some concept some dogmatism uh, I love the uh, communication about the immune system, um, you know, versus the biological adaptations and understanding the garbage man showing up. He's not, these are really powerful stuff. And also, you know, uh, allergies and tracks and just the whole idea of someone, you know, the juniper bush with the, you know, and, and thinking in ways that are more primal to to comprehend how the body, which is ancient, is communicating. Um, the whole thing was a nugget. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, <laughs> Melissa, for you know, being a part of this and uh, coming on with us. And we've got friends in like and uh, it would be cool to uh, potentially collaborate again and very glad for what you're doing. You are an incredible proponent of this and uh, thank you so much.
1: Yes, we appreciate your time and all your comments. It was amazing. Thank you very much. And uh, I don't know, Melissa, do you want to close up with some sort of comment, conclusion or whatever you want?
0: I just love um, that more people are talking about it. That you guys are infusing it into your work, and you know, it's it's just such an honor to be a, a voice piece for this nature's wisdom. And I think that that's all it is, is it's just like, you know, it flows through and it reaches the people who are ready to hear it. And so just be grateful if you are someone who's come across the biological laws, it's like a sacred gift has been given to you. You know, this sacred knowledge, uh, this deep wisdom, you know, that uh, it's everyone's birthright to access this knowledge and this wisdom. And if you're coming across it in your lifetime, be so grateful and follow that thread and learn a little bit more about it each day. And don't, you know, you don't have to, how do you eat an elephant? It's like just one bite at a time. You just go through and learn, make one connection. See one thing about yourself. I was speaking with a mother earlier today and she's like, I'm getting overwhelmed. Like GNM is just so much. And I don't know. And it's like, chill, like, it's okay, like, everyone's in the same boat, we all, none of us were raised with this sacred knowledge that we really need to have, and should have been raised with our whole, and this shouldn't even be, this just should be old news, everybody should know this, this should just be, you know, the way that we all operate, where it literally would be something we don't even talk about, because everyone knows it so uh, innately, and inherently, that it's like, oh, I wouldn't even, you know, we, we, we work, and our whole society is built around understanding the way the biology responds to conflicts. And so what does that mean? That would mean that mothers stay with babies and our whole society is built around supporting, you know, the, the family staying together and being raised in harmony. It's like everything would be different if we lived in harmony. So with these laws, so don't feel bad if you're feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'm just coming into all of this knowledge now. And it's so much, just learn a little bit, you know, like taking in the way that you guys express the knowledge and weave it into the work that you do. It's like, it all is good. You're good. You're good where you are and you can learn more each day. And that's what I um, just recommend to people is that, again, this is your body. No one can be there with you when a symptom pops up. You have to take on that responsibility for learning yourself and believe in yourself that you can do it. You know, there's, there are, there is no hierarchy, you know, that may be a little bit of a learning curve, but, you know, show up for it and learn a little more each day.
2: Nice. Be present. Huh? Be present for sure. Isn't that the key? So you be present. Your life is now. It's never other, any other time. It never has been and never will be. So be present. Be the present.
1: Absolutely. The gift. Thank you, thank you very much again, Melissa. Thank you. And uh, thank dear you. And sacred souls, thank you very much for connecting. And please, uh, we would like it if you share this work with your family and friends. It's very important for this information to get out there. Mm-hmm. As, as Melissa said, uh, this is a sacred gift. So have at it and of course connect with us through instagram at SacredDynamics with 1d visit our website sacreddynamics.com also with 1d or join our telegram channel at sacred dynamics 1d you'll find all the notes in the show no- all the all the links in the show notes mm-hmm. and again Thank you.
2: Thank you for listening to the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Until next time, stay connected on conscious breath and grounded presence. Namaste. Namaste, Melissa.
1: Namaste, Melissa.
2: Thank you.